0: like to go to Galatians chapter 2. Put your finger there and then go with me to Luke 23. Out of respect for God's Word, I will ask you, if you would, to stand one more time. 23 and verse 39 says and one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him saying if thou be Christ save thyself and us but the other answering rebuked him saying dost thou not fear God seeing thou art in the same condemnation and we indeed justly For we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. In Galatians chapter 2, 1 verse and its verse 20. The apostle Paul writes and this is what he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Would you stretch your hand this direction and pray God's anointing, blessing, and favor over his word, over his servant? Can I hear you pray today? Pray with me, Father, we've come before you today. Thank you for your word. There's a a heaviness in my spirit that this word would land on good soil and would help some folks today. I pray, God, that every heart would receive and every ear would hear what it is that the Spirit of God wants to say to the church, to the believer, to the unbeliever. Let us receive your word. Let it change us from the inside out. We give you glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The title of the message this morning is Wasted Crosses. I am crucified with Christ. On that Good Friday, 2,000 years ago, there was a king, a teacher, the Messiah, the chosen one, the great physician, the miracle worker, the son of Almighty God, crucified. For every man and woman ever created by the hand of the great creator. Jesus was beaten. He had his beard plucked out. Nails were riveted into his hands and feet. A sword was driven into his side. He was spit upon. He was pummeled by the fist of angry men. Stripes were laid upon his back. The Bible states, as a lamb, he was led to the slaughter. And yet, he opened not his mouth. We worship him Sunday after Sunday as the resurrected king. And rightfully, we should. But without His crucifixion, He would not be my Savior. I am thankful that He is King of kings and Lord of lords. But what good would it do me personally if He were not my personal Savior? But because He died a cruel death, I live an eternal life. Look at your neighbor and say, I am crucified with Christ. You see, there were three men that were crucified that day. And for the purpose of this message, as the Lord has led, I would like to focus on the ones crucified to the left and to the right of Jesus. On this high hill called Golgotha, the place of the skull, Outside of the gate of the city of Jerusalem, you find three men being executed. There's very little difference in the manner of their crucifixions. It was the most hideous and torturous way of punishment for anyone. In fact, God himself said in the Old Testament that cursed is any man who hangs on a tree. Gene Edwards in one of his books writes, though all three were crucified, each showed a different attitude toward crucifixion. Each was different somewhat in the way that they died. Each man reacted differently to the circumstances that were yet very similar. And finally, each man reacted to those who were crucifying them. Let's talk first about the thief to the left. He stole one time too often. He declared verbal war on those that were crucifying him. He protested his innocence, screaming out injustices and profanities, no doubt refusing to accept responsibility. Do you realize today that the the scriptures that we read, do you realize that because he refused to be a man and take responsibility for his actions. He missed out on healing. He missed out on redemption. He missed out on resurrection. He missed out on eternal life. Can I just pause here and, and, and address the culture of our day? Because in the time in which I'm living, and the generation coming, seemingly coming behind me, there seems to be more deflection than ever before. But let me say to the generation coming behind me, let me say to those that are 40 years old and younger, to young adults and and to young people, let me just say to you, you will blow it. You will mess up, but I'm telling you, you will be better off if you own it when you blow it. You will be much better off if you will say, I am responsible for my choices, And you won't deflect off onto your parents and your grandparents. And you won't deflect off onto the teacher in the high school. And you won't deflect off onto the supervisor at work. If you will stand and square your shoulders when you make a mistake, and you will. When you sin, and you will. And you say, I am responsible for my actions. Can I just tell you, confession is halfway to spiritual victory. Confession is halfway to salvation. In fact, to be saved, you must confess to the Lord your sins. So it's important for you to understand if you're going. Now, I understand understand the time we're living in. I understand the culture we're living in. I've never seen anything like it in all my life. But I'm telling you the truth, if you're going to rise above it and not get caught up in the negative vacuum of a culture that doesn't take personal responsibility, then you're going to have to rise up and say, you know what, I messed up and I own it and I'm going to move past it. The thief spit and spewed venom of bitterness at the guards and the people and the Jewish leaders and he even brought ridicule to Christ. But here's the truth. Because of that, his cross became a wasted cross. I thought, what if the thief on the left would have been delivered from the cross that he was on. What if he'd been dramatically delivered? I mean, he was, after all, hanging next to the deliverer. He was, after all, hanging next to the miracle worker. My question is would he have changed? Would there have been some positive gain? I submit to you today that the next day he would have been the same man as he was the day before. I submit to you, had you met the thief on the way after he was delivered from his ordeal, you would find him probably more bitter more angry, and he probably would have robbed you in a dark alley. That's the truth. And I I, I feel constrained to say this today, and that is this truth in the midst of a church culture that has a lot of prosperity gospel in our land. Let me remind you that in the New Testament under the New Covenant, Jesus Himself said, If any man will be my disciple, let him take up his cross and follow after me. Yeah. Yeah. For the last time I checked, there is a when there is a cross, there is there is a crucifixion, there is suffering, there is pain, there is there is death. Paul said, I am crucified. With Christ. In other words, he was saying, I am, I am like one of those thieves to the left and to the right of Jesus. And it's spelled out in all of his letters under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He wrote these words in Romans chapter 6 and verse 6. He said, Our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, and that we should not serve sin. In Galatians 5:24, it says, as they that belong to Christ have crucified the flesh you see the recurring theme you see the recurring word of crucifixion in Galatians 6.14 to a totally different church Paul wrote and said through the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ that I glory in the world is crucified to me and I am crucified unto the world. I've come by to share with you today and it's important for you to hear that there are times that a cross is placed upon your back for you to carry. I'm telling you, you need to carry it. There are times that you are placed upon a cross to deal with the pain of a crucifixion. I'm here to preach to you that you need to stay on the cross. Whether the cross is on your back or whether your back is affixed to the cross, it comes to every follower, it comes to every believer, everyone that names the name of Christ. There is no avoiding it there is no getting around it many of you many of you have come to my heart this week adults and and young people and even children that are either carrying a cross or their the cross seems to be that that they're laying upon at this season in their life what does it mean pastor when there's a season that i have to carry a cross what does it mean when my cross when i'm when i'm laid down upon a cross i tell you what it means it means you're going to receive some mistreatment from others it means there's going to be some mistreatment, people are going to be unfair, and, 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 and some of that mistreatment is going to be unjust, and it's going to be undeserved. And, and what, I'm, what I'm here to preach today is that your response to the cross on which you're hanging is going to greatly determine if that cross is going to be effective at changing you into the image of the Lord. Now, i got to say this to you, if you run from the pain, you'll run from the purpose. I didn't expect you to hang from the chandeliers. We don't even have chandeliers. But to run from the pain is to run from the purpose. And if you spit and and you spew venom out of a fountain of bitterness and out of a defensive spirit because of the pain of the cross. Now your pastor has done that. I, I was recounting in my own personal walk with the Lord over the course of many years the times that I've gone through uh, where I was carrying a cross and the times that I've gone through where I felt like I was laid down upon a cross and I remember that 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 uh, the, the flesh rising up in me to, to defend myself and the flesh rising up in me to justify that I shouldn't uh, be on this cross. I shouldn't be uh, carrying this cross but I'm telling you I, I realized as I got older in in life and older in my walk with Christ I realized that if I waste if I don't handle the cross correctly it will be a wasted cross in my life now the question is who put you on the cross this is where the rubber's going to meet the road here who put you on the cross Who put the cross on your back? Who laid you down and affixed you to that cross? And as I was praying about that and pondering that, I went to Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. And there's a real eye-opening verse there for every one of us concerning the cross that is on our back, concerning the cross to which our back may be affixed. But before we go to that verse, let me share a couple of things with you. Because when a cross comes our way, we automatically want to blame man. We automatically want to blame those around us or those before us or those coming behind us. We all, we all automatically want to lay it at, at someone else's feet. It's a, it's a natural response to the cross because it seems that man is the one hurting us and, and man is the one making us feel the pain of the nails and, and the stripes and the thirst and the hunger. And, and, and then you got, then you got those folks and then you got other folks. They, they get good and spiritual and when a cross comes their way, they blame the devil. Everything is spiritual warfare. Everything is a battle. Everything is a conflict. Everything is an attack. And as valid as that may sound, listen, the devil did not put Jesus on the cross. Now, for sure, the devil rejoiced. But he didn't realize the implications of his own defeat. But the devil did not put Jesus on. On the cross of Calvary. Who denied you that position? Man did. Who took that title away? The devil did it. Who shattered your heart with their words of strife out of hearts of misunderstanding? Who broke your heart? Who crushed your spirit? It's easy for us to say man did it. It's easy for us to say the devil did it. It was a spiritual attack. Now listen to the word The first sermon ever preached after the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. This is going to help some folks in this room today. This is going to give somebody the victory. Because you've been pointing fingers in every direction. And God's going to show you some things right here. Because in the first sermon preached on the day of Pentecost, a sermon which, by the way, led to 3,000 people giving their heart to the Lord, Peter said to the Jewish people gathered by the thousands. And this is what he said. He looked at them directly. Without any hesitation, boldness and audacity and anointing of the Spirit, he looked at him and in Acts two twenty-three he said, You have taken Jesus, and by your wicked hands you have crucified and you have slain him. And we're sitting back going, That's right, Peter, you tell him. Could you just imagine if we're in that in that position, in that posture? You you people put Jesus on that cross. I tell you, if you read that part of the verse, it kind of gives you a little ammo to nurse your grudge it gives you a little ammo to to retaliate others wicked hands and others wicked words have done this to me family has 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 put me on this cross and, and friends have put this cross on my back and my supervisor has strangers have done this to me but i want you to read the whole verse i don't want you to miss the whole verse for he said to them for sure you have taken jesus and by your wicked hands You have crucified and slain him. But then if you go and read the rest of it, it says Jesus was delivered to your wicked hands by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. What does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. God put Jesus on the cross. (laughs) Whole new light is shed, isn't it? And in another place, it says Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. In Genesis chapter 3, we're told that the seed of woman would crush the head of the serpent, but the serpent would bite at the seed of woman's heels. That was a, the first prophetic word that one day Jesus was going to die on a cross, and it was all planned in eternity past. Well, praise the Lord. Somebody ought to say amen. Now, let me say this to you. God loves you no more than he loves Jesus. God loves you no less than he loves Jesus. That's hard for us to, that's hard for us to embrace and grasp, isn't it? We're a speck of a sandy shore in comparison to the vastness and greatness of God. And yet he loves you with an everlasting love. Now, over the course of my time, this week as I was preparing for this morning, I have witnessed two families. The first family, it was in our ministry in Fredericksburg several years ago, they couldn't have children. We were praying with them. We were begging God for a miracle. They desperately wanted to have children. My wife and I could certainly relate and sympathize with them. And so the Lord opened up a door for them to adopt. and They adopted a little boy, a baby boy. And we rejoiced in the adoption. And did you know it wasn't probably two or three years after that, God blessed them with a miraculous conception, and they had a little baby girl. Those kids now are probably 18 and 16 years old, getting ready close to graduating high school. Great Christian family. We, we absolutely love this family, and we rejoiced. But, but can I tell you, not for a moment would I ever think that they loved the natural child, More than they love the adopted child. Their love for both of the children is exponential. It's great. It's vast. And then since I've been here, we have another family that had had a daughter naturally. And then I've watched as they have adopted two sons. And I've watched the amount of love that has been shed abroad both for the child that they had naturally and then following with the two children that they adopted. In both family situations, I can attest and say with confidence that those children, whether they came through the natural birth or whether they came through an adoption, they are loved endlessly and unconditionally by their parents. Where where are you going with this, preacher? Preacher. I've come by to tell someone and remind someone that you're not just a servant. You are a son and a daughter of Almighty God. Hallelujah. He has given us that spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. God has no stepchildren of any hair color, much less redheaded stepchildren. We are adopted into the family of God as sons and daughters of God Almighty. And the scripture says that we are heirs of God. Woo! I'm about to shout here. We are heirs of God, and we are joint heirs with Christ. And so again, let me tell you that God loves you no more than he loves Jesus. And God loves you no less than he loves Jesus. And the same Father that loves Jesus and the same Father that loves you is the same Father that ordained the cross and put his Son on there in Acts chapter 2. And he is the same Father that has ordained your cross and has put you there. Man, I don't know about this preacher. I don't know if I can buy into this. The same God, by His determined counsel and by His foreknowledge, places a cross on your back. The same God, by His foreknowledge, Seasons, he lays you down on the cross. and I feel like I need to tell someone that today is a day to stop blaming man. Today is a day to stop blaming man the devil. He's not within a thousand miles of the cross you're on. Today is the day to embrace that the cross you're bearing right now was ordained by God who loves you unconditionally. I don't know if because only 50% of you clapped, if that means the ones that didn't clap are bearing a cross right now. That could very well be the case. Because it's painful, it's hard. But through his actions, the thief on the left, in his rebellion and his defiance, no, he didn't physically, but spiritually, he got down off of his cross. And when he got down off of his cross, it cost him eternity with the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Now, the thief on the right. Before I dive into the thief on the right for a few moments, let me just tell you Christians that are being crucified generally resent. Argue, defend, attack, reason, justify. Christians sometimes are not very Christian when they're being crucified. Let me give it to you the simple way hurt people, hurt people. Let me, preacher, let me make sure I understand you here. God has given consent for nails to tear through your flesh, ripping your limbs and crushing your soul. You're being, I'm being crucified by the plan, the permission and the preference of the will of God. Oh yeah, God lays it all out. Y'all come back next week, we'll shout, okay? But not only does he put you on the cross, but He also selects the audience that will watch. Not only does He put you on the cross, but He also allows those to stand by that will whisper and talk about your cross. As a prayer request, of course. They wouldn't gossip about you on the cross, would they? They wouldn't begin to... Speculate as to what you probably did to deserve. (laughs) God stands by while others throw stones at you. I can't believe God would do that. Well, when Stephen was being stoned, I never read where God stepped in and stopped the stones. So let's talk about that thief on the right for a moment. He started out the same way as the other thief did. He was handling the crucifixion the same miserable way. How can I get out of this? I can kick, I can scream, I can blame, I can create a scene, I can curse my enemies. I mean, this man started out cursing his thief friend on the opposite side. He was cursing the guards. And along with the other thief, he began hurling insults upon Jesus. Listen, would he have changed had he come down from the cross? Would he have changed? No. Because again, I'll tell you, to run from the pain is to run from the purpose. My Lord. But here's here's where the truth really hits home. The worst thing that could have happened to this thief was to be delivered from the cross. Deliverance from the cross would have cost him paradise with the Lord. If he would have gotten down off of the cross he never would have looked at the Lord and said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. If he'd have got down off the cross, he'd have never heard the glorious words, this day you will be with me in paradise. Now listen, what you and I have perceived as the worst day of our life was in fact the best day of his life, because it was the day he met the Savior. And it all happened because of the cross that the Father ordained for him to hang on. Well, no, 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 preacher. No, preacher, he was on that cross because he did do something wrong. Yes, he was a criminal, he was an insurrectionist, he was a thief. But don't you know today that in the grand scheme of things, in spite of our choices, good, bad, and indifferent, God still has a plan? You want to fight it. Fight against it, how much will it cost you in the end if you don't stay with it? I'm just going to tell you something. Oh, Lord, Jesus, help me here. I'm getting ready to meddle. But make sure that when you pray for your loved ones, that the first thing that you pray for is their salvation. Don't be so quick. Oh, Pastor, my son's having a rough time. They need a miracle financially. They're about to be kicked out of their house. They're having a problem physically. I don't know if they're going to make it. Alcohol has consumed them. Addiction has taken hold of them. Oh, preacher, I need to pray that the the chains of addiction would be broken off of them. No, friend, what you need to pray first is that they turn to Jesus and say, Lord, I need a Savior. Because the very cross that they're on, the very place even if they put themselves may be there by divine providence so that they will wake up and turn their eyes upon the Savior. I'm not saying you don't pray for their safety and you don't pray for their finances. You don't pray For their jobs and their security. But we live in a very temporary world. Eternity is real. Hell is hot. And there is no escape, there is no second chance. Be quicker to pray. It's tough. As a dad, I've watched my son suffer over the last couple of years. I've watched him in pain. I've watched him physically go through some stuff. But Don't be so quick to pray the pain away before you pray God's mercy in and God's grace in. My God, and that the God of this world that has blinded their eyes, that the scales would fall off and they would see the bleeding, dying Savior with his hand outstretched to them. It's going to be a simplistic example. This happened to me when I was a teenager. Some of you that have been in church for many, many years, you remember back in the day we used to have what we call youth rallies. Some of y'all remember those days. Youth groups would get together and go to different churches and have service together and have a guest speaker and they'd have what they call afterglows. Anybody know what an afterglow is? Man, I thought that was the strangest name. It was called food after worship. That's what it was, afterglow. Well, we over on one side of the, we're over in Chesapeake, and we go over to a church in Norfolk, and I'm going there, and I'm driving, I don't know, 16, 17 years old, I have my own car. I'm going to this youth rally. It had been raining, terribly raining. So I went, went to service. Service was fine. So that night after service, I went to get in my car. It was parked on the side of the road. And I, when I went to pull out, my tire started spinning. I was stuck. I said, Oh, man, I mean, it's raining. So I go inside and I find a couple of kids from the home church's youth ministry. And I said, Hey, fellas, hey, man, I need help. I need to. I need somebody to help me push my car out. It's stuck. It's in the mud. They kind of mocked me. I said, man, I can't. Sorry, I can't help you. I don't want to mess up my clothes. Now, let me tell you, I got down off the cross. I went and got in my 1978 Mach 2 Candy Apple Red car that wouldn't get out of the mud a few moments earlier. And I mean, the pedal went to the metal. I shot mud and rain everywhere. Man, I was bitter. I was defensive. I was calling, man, I'm telling you, I was calling, I was was labeling the whole church based upon two knuckleheads. Them snotty, snooty, no good for nothing church over there. I knew I was in the right church, in the righteous church. A bunch of Pharisees over there. I mean, you name it, I was, all because of two teenagers. I climbed down off the cross. Listen to me. Had I allowed it to continue, it would have cost me my eternity. There'd be some time would go by. And another service opportunity at that church. And the Lord said, if the opportunity avails, you're going to stand up and you're going to ask that whole church to forgive you for your bitterness. (laughs) night? Yes, you are. You're going to climb back on the cross for reconciliation and for healing. That's a tough thing for a 16-year-old boy, 17-year-old boy to do. But as soon as I asked the pastor in the church with the mic in my hand, it was at the end of the service. It was after altar time, great time, and I just wasn't getting out of it. Lord's like you've been away from the cross long enough. I ordained that cross, and you didn't handle it very well. Don't ask the thief on the right if if it's wise to escape crucifixion. Because that thief will tell you the day he was crucified was the best day of his life. All the suffering of the cross. It'll make you poor in spirit. But Jesus says you're blessed for yours is the kingdom of heaven. The suffering of the cross will make you want to mourn. But Jesus says you're blessed and he will be there to comfort you. The suffering of the cross will make you feel persecuted for righteousness sake. But he says the kingdom belongs to you. The kingdom doesn't belong to the elite, to the rich, to the famous. The kingdom belongs to some folks that carry heavy crosses kingdom belongs to folks who lay down on crosses and suffer. They suffer now, but they also know the promise of Scripture. What's the promise of Scripture? If we suffer with Him, we shall also reign with Him. Hallelujah. I'm getting ready to close, but listen to me. What was it that day that changed that thief on the right? Well, the first thing, obviously, he beheld the crucified Lamb of God. But I believe it's not a footnote. I believe equally important, for our benefit, I believe he witnessed how to handle a crucifixion. The thief went from being punished to being crucified. It was in the sovereign will of God for him to be there and to accept mercy from a suffering Savior. I read this this week, and this this really touched me. In a single moment, there was no longer a thief. There were but two brothers dying together. I'm looking at people, young people, Young adults, widows, widowers, you're bearing a cross today. This season, you might even find yourself laying on a cross. You have some options. You can retaliate, fight back, be vindictive. I don't know that it's an improvement, maybe it is, maybe you won't retaliate, you might just be defensive. I don't know if it's an improvement, but maybe you'll accept the pain, but you brood about it for the years to come. All of these involve climbing down from your cross. Or you can accept it as a cross the Father puts you on and allow His grace to flow through you to produce a life that is fruitful. I don't like this message, preacher. Well, I didn't like it much either. Paul said, Oh, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and also in the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed unto his death. Two thieves, one went to hell, one went to heaven. The difference is one looked to the Lamb of God for his eternity and for a model on how to handle the crosses that come our way. The other, he never looked to Jesus as a Savior, and he never saw the model example of how to handle suffering. Would you bow your heads? you're here and you don't know Jesus, will today be the day that that you come and behold the Lamb of God? I'm 100% sure that in this congregation today, there is bitterness. I am 100% sure that in the lives of believers there is some bitterness and today God has shown you that man didn't do this to you ultimately and the devil didn't do this to you ultimately but by his plan and providence The same God that loves Jesus and put him on a cross is for some reason, maybe he's not even explaining why, he's put a cross on your back or you find yourself affixed to a cross. And it may end tomorrow. It may end next week. You know, there's precious saints that have gone on to glory. As much as they wanted to see it with their own eyes, they didn't see their sons and daughters come home to Jesus. Their prayers are just as valid as they were the day they prayed them. They were broken for years, but God called them home. The promises are still there. I need grace, I need strength I hope you take me off this cross tomorrow but if it's not in your will to take me off this cross, if it's not in your will to take this cross from off my back and I've got to travel with it for a few more weeks, a few more months or even a few more years this morning I want to handle this God assigned cross with grace and with dignity and with forgiveness this altar is open for you and I would ask as the Lord would draw you to our elders and spouses and our ministers and spouses don't let, any, don't let anyone handle their cross alone today to you friend don't waste your cross I don't know who you are we're going to sing a little bit if the Lord would draw you to come pray I want you to be obedient to the Lord God sent his son They call him Jesus. He came to love, heal and forgive. He bled and died to. Buy An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives because he lives. don't they? Crosses are placed on your back. You're laid down upon a cross. You say, when is it going to end? But can I tell you? My life is still worth the living. I said my life is still worth the living. With every physical malady, with every family struggle, with every financial difficulty, with every challenge that we face. First three years of our marriage, we lost four babies to miscarriage. Then years would go by and we would have a son. I don't know, I kind of think there's four other boys, i have my own basketball team in heaven. It was the most excruciating cross that I had borne in my life. But it helped us to help others.